Welcome to Level with Emily Reese. This is music by George Sanger for The Seventh Guest. And I'm just telling you now, buckle up, because there are a lot of things I have to say before we even get started. And then George also has a lot of things to say, all of which are fabulous. So firstly, if you're unfamiliar with The Seventh Guest, it was the first of its kind, and it still has a pretty um, complex explanation as to its design. So the internet calls it an interactive movie puzzle adventure game. Not an interactive novel, like I call it at one point, but an interactive movie. That came out in 1993. Now we'll also talk about George's music and his work on Wing Commander, which is a dogfighting, space-fighting sim from 1990. The Wing Commander music was co-composed by George and also a fella named Dave Govett. So you hear George talk about Dave Govett a few times. George and Dave also were in a band together. It's called Team Fat. George's nickname is The Fat Man, which has its own story. We don't even get into that, but there are lots of places you can find that online. Anyway, George is a real Renaissance man. I mean, it's uh, all these interests and specialties and abilities and um, kind of a polymath, I guess. And like a lot, honestly, of these uh, legacy people in game audio. I mean, it's really crazy. Uh, Anyway, he helped to start a group called IASIG, which stands for Interactive Audio Special Interest Group. This group of people consists of audio professionals in interactive audio, like games, who get together to solve problems that are encountered in audio creation, implementation, and playback. So we talk about IASIG for a while. And again, this is a this is a long conversation, this longest single conversation episode of Level, and worth every second. It was a Friday night. It was very hot, but I did not want it to end. <laughs> we talk about the Beatles on and off, and I love hearing him talk about the energy that he and his friend Ron received while listening to the Beatles as youngsters. George talks about various projects he's done lately or is working on now, including writing lyrics for a track in Arc Nights called the Helliger Theme. He's just all over the place um, artistically in all the most fun kinds of ways. Other projects with friends that he, they put out albums together. It's great. Anyway, come join us on Discord. There's a link in the show notes. It's free. We like to chat about games and music and games and all the things. Also, look for the video of this conversation on our YouTube page eventually. And do subscribe to that so you don't miss any videos. Also, please become a patron if you can and support George Sanger's music as well. Anyway... Here we go. Despite me wearing this retro shirt, I was not a gamer when I was younger. My mother wouldn't allow it. So I didn't have, even though I was born in 76 and grew up in the right time, quote unquote, I really didn't have a lot of those experiences that other people did. And so I came to your music as an adult who had had, you know, 
a few degrees training in classical music and jazz and all of this different background, I think, than um, some people, for better or worse, but um, only meaning that it was, it's so fun to hear, in in particular, Wing Commander, and and I promise I'll stop talking soon, but uh, with Wing Commander, I, I felt like, you know, I'd never heard anything like that before, which is one of the accolades that it gets. It's unique for very many reasons that I'll, I would like you to kind of expand upon, but um, but also because it just totally sounds like you're a classical music nerd, but I didn't really get any of that from your biography, really. So so I just I just loved that about it anyway. <laughs> oh, that's, that's, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, is there a question in there? No, um, I don't yeah. know. I don't know. I think it's just a comment, yeah. really. <laughs> Yeah, um, I, 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 there's an interesting connection between, I mean, I'm so glad you're coming at it, not, not from the game <laughs> angle, because uh, there's, a, there's a tangle between what we do as, as game musicians and what we do as musicians. Um, there's kind of that feeling that, oh, the ones that I get the accolades for are it's only because they played that game and only because, you know, uh, they sat in their dad's lap and he helped them move the mouse. And, you know, they have these great associations. The first time that I ever heard music that had any instruments in it, you know, mm-hmm. that weren't, you know. So so for yeah. a lot of people, that's all mixed in. And I think it's great. But uh, it's nice to have somebody listen to it outside of that context and say, well, what is this? Yeah. You know, independent of 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 how how you grew up, um, so it's very nice of you to say those things. I think that what you're hearing for the classical nerd, though, I think what you're hearing is Dave Govett, who's oh who's, interesting. Uh, he, okay. Yes. Yes. I, I I think that that his flavor is in there. Although I've been trying lately, <laughs> uh, uh, I've kind of felt my way through the classical nerd zone. I here's here, here's here's Matt's. Here's me. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> You know, John, yeah. I, I, I'm not, although, no, there's a Venn diagram of where we, uh, you know, <laughs> geek out be. with the instruments. I, I can kind of toot a, toot a weird horn. <laughs> um, but but I, I, I think of, you know, there, there's some of these guys are really legit. Um, Clint Bajakian, um, you know, who was, who was very upset when Seiji Ozawa was ill, you know, he almost couldn't, <laughs> it's like, how am I going to get through lunch? Seiji Ozawa is not feeling well. Um, and, <laughs> uh, but I, I, I took classical music training at Occidental College. Okay. But I did, I was not top of the class. I was the guy in the band that wore the gold lame and did the Elton John tunes. <laughs> and I just, and I wanted to be dedicated to that band. So I switched my major from physics engineering over to music. Wow. Now, Govett, he just kind of showed up out of nowhere one day. He wanted to see my studio setup. This was before I had Team Fat or anything. I'd just done a couple of games. Okay. And uh, he wanted to see how I did it. So he came over to check out my rig. But when he got into the neighborhood, he phoned me up and he went to a pay phone and uh, phoned me up and asked if I could pick him up from the bus stop. Um, So I did. And I guess he was working a bartender or or waiting tables at a, a, you know, in my neighborhood. 
but uh, he was kind of a composer. So he, I, I had him do a couple of tunes and he was good. I think for, for Maniac Mansion, he did a couple of things. But when Chris Roberts asked me to do Wing Commander, he wanted something that was like somewhere between Star Wars and, and the Star Trek movie. Mm-hmm. You know, very, very John Williams. And I was kind of busy. And I thought, well, hey, Govett, can you do something like this? And he goes, well, I've got a couple of tunes that have been bouncing around in my head since high school. So, you know, maybe I can do it. Very West Texas, very, very, um, a very interesting guy, great guy, <laughs> but unassuming. You know, well, I've got a couple of things. Uh, you know, I, I've got them in my head. I'll just put them into the computer and, and you know, and we'll see. Yeah. And that was the, the main thing, the, the, the two main pieces. The dogfight was just there in his head. The fanfare was there in his head, and he put them down. Everywhere where you hear those tunes again in a variation, like the the parody of the uh, you know boop, beep, boop, beep, boop, beep, the parody of game music. a lot of the dog fi- uh, flying out to the to the mission flying back those things that's that's me doing variations and trying trying my chops at doing the the classical feel yeah. so dave he just loved that classical he loved the uh, john williams stuff and he used to say stuff like well you know i tried doing some uh i tried doing some stravinsky you know i tried to make something that sounds like stravinsky he says it's not that hard he said but john williams man <laughs> i don't know how to feel about that <laughs> I, no, it, right? you, you get that I a lot with him. You get that a lot with him. He's like, uh, <laughs> his brilliance is is up here. His his heart is with the people. You know, he, he, when, when they do that focus group stuff, you know, it's 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 for him. So he's got this this superpower. Uh, yeah. We we went to Las Vegas, and and uh, you know, part of the reason we were in Las Vegas, maybe not on that trip, maybe a different trip, because Hans Zimmer. No, no, it was a different thing. Hans Zimmer had him come out and explain some technical things. Um, but it was the O show. Cirque du Soleil had had Govett come out and and Kevin, another guy on our team, to help them work their Giga studio. It was like one of the first oh. sampling rigs we could get into that. But uh, but we were out there and uh Govett was saying, Man, the Cirque du Soleil, he said, That's that's the best of humanity. <laughs> really? Yeah, and all this that's art amazing. out here in Las Vegas, that's the best of humanity. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a really it's it's a not I, I, I called you legit. It's a not <laughs> illegitimate approach to life. It's it's beautiful. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's a uh, he's a cop now. Oh no he kidding. Said that the pressure of doing game audio was as stressful as potentially facing an armed perpetrator. So there's there's something for you. There's something for your for your interview. 
why thank you <laughs> yeah yeah and, you can, and, and wow. keep that in the wow. back of your mind when you're talking to all these these poor <laughs> game audio <laughs> That that it was more stressful to work in game audio than it is to it be was a more client. stressful to work in game audio. Yeah, he just couldn't face another call from another client. Yeah, and he was working for Doug Rogers too. He was he was building sample libraries too. Okay, and uh, and that was also stressful. So you know he just and he was a marine before that. Okay, um, and and he he liked the well, he didn't didn't like the fighting and the violence and that part of it but he liked being in a, a peacekeeping role and he liked the camaraderie and mm-hmm. uh and whenever we would play a first person shooter game uh which was we only played outlaws which is a very <laughs> primitive one we played it because our friends worked on the music you know <laughs> sure of course <laughs> yeah. and uh he would he would just he was just so amazing at that he he'd always choose the rifle and get up in the uh <laughs> get up on the edge of the canyon and pick us off and we never knew what hit us. <laughs> <laughs> now, I when, don't know. This probably isn't the time to talk about stuff like that. Oh, I know, but I'm curious, so I'm going to keep asking you about him just briefly, even though this isn't about him, but um, was he in the Marine band? Was Did he play music at all when he was in, in the Marines? Do you know? Not in the Marines, but, okay. uh, in, the, but in yeah. at UT, he was a prize-winning timpani player. Oh, God. So you'll hear a lot of it was like blue ribbon. You can't make that shit up. Yeah, no, you can't. And 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 when uh, when when you know he would pick up these hobbies and always be amazing at them. Whatever he tried, he was always amazing at. And he took up uh, bagpipe drumming, and you know what that is. I mean, when you when you know the the guys playing the bagpipes, and and there's no space in between the notes. You know, it's just like fly shit. Yeah, <laughs> and he would, he could play that just, wow, just, just, he's an amazing guy. He's still around, <laughs> incredible. And Joe McDermott, the one, the one, I, the one guy left on Team Fat that I, you know, the composers that I didn't yeah. mention before, he's teaching at uh, at City College in uh, at Austin City College, and Govett is campus cop there. Oh, so wow. they run into each other all the time and Govett will come by and he's like, well, hey, listen to this thing I just recorded. Here's some speakers I built. You know, he built some <laughs> ultra high fidelity audiophile speakers from scratch. And, oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't even know the <laughs> first guys. way to start that project other than to get a cabinet. That would be step one. And that would be the yeah. only step I would know. Like build a box. Like, <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Incredible. So that's my, I mean, so, so that's, I guess, kind of a soft way of getting into Team Fat. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Which, which was just, it was just my, it was the, the dream, you know, it was like, uh, I was raised on the monkeys and the Beatles, mm-hmm. you know, hard, and specifically like Hard Day's Night, Help, you know, the, the, the oh, fictitious yeah. Beatles. Yeah. And, and you want that, you want that house by the beach where, you know, it's like a tree house, like a tree fort, and mom's not coming home anytime soon, and musical accidents can happen, and, <laughs> and it's it's freedom and hippies, and, mm-hmm. and and we had that, and and we had the support uh, of a couple of remarkable women as well, yeah. um, which was weird for the game industry. So yes, uh, yeah. So my my wife sort of ran the the company and the and the 
you know, the legal things and the, mm-hmm. the monetary things and, and the, you know, all the, all the admin mm-hmm. and, and Teresa Avalon, who we called Spanky, uh, she, she was marketing and promotion and stuff. And then, and also those two and me put on a brainstorming conference that lasted about 25 years, two of them, one for audio and one for game design. Uh, so, so it was, uh, even though it was one of those cases where the, the boys are doing the, you know, it's, it's the boys in the band and the girls are doing the other stuff. Yeah. Uh, nonetheless, it was, it was, I'm, I'm mostly not proud of my diversity record. Uh, but that was one case in which uh, people would say, wow, you know, you brought women to the game developer conference. Whoa. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's much different now, which is good. Yes, thank God. Yeah. There's something about the game industry as far as, uh, as far as the early days anyway. Around the, you know, when the first person shooters came in, it, it got to be kind of a bro, bro-rocracy. <laughs> yeah. But before that zone, which, which I, I kind of feel like was, was my, you know, when, when we were first coming up, mm-hmm. it wasn't, we were nerds. It was like game night, uh, you know, like, like family game nights are now. The boys would have accepted the girls it would have been so happy, yeah. you know, and, and were whenever someone came along and there were, there were women, uh, there were, uh, trans people, beautiful people in, mm-hmm. in the, in the group. And it was very welcoming. So sometimes the fact that it was largely male is misinterpreted. Yeah. Um, it, it had sort of more the feel of like, well, you go to the Ren fair and, and, uh, uh, it may be, it may be most, you know, for, for a while it might've been mostly boys, but the women were so welcomed and adored. Yes. Um, <laughs> it was that kind of feel. I don't really know how to put it into words and I don't want to over justify things that we did that were wrong. One of the other things I'm very curious about is IASIG. I would love to talk about that oh. too, because I think if that's okay, um, nah. only because I know that you started it or were one of the first and gang too, of course. Um, but for whatever reason, I think IASIG needs, a, like people need to know more about IASIG, you know? Um, uh-huh. And the resources and the just all the wonderful things that it provides. So do you mind kind of chatting about that for a little bit? I think I can more talk about the history of it than, than the current state of things. I think that that's sure. a, yeah. Um, we used to have, let me, and, and let me also preface this by saying, Emily, that I don't remember exactly how things happened. And even if I did remember <laughs> it, I wouldn't be right because I'm only one person and I saw everything from behind these eyes. Yeah. And also I had a tendency to think that things were revolving around me. <laughs> Which was tricky because sometimes they were. Sure. So how do you how do you extricate yourself? You know, yeah. from, how do you say, okay, now this time it wasn't you. Yeah. <laughs> that time maybe was it? I don't know. <laughs> so as I recall, there was an uh, you know when I first went to Game Developer Conference, I was the only audio person there. Mm. So that's wow. really something. That's amazing. It, yeah. And uh, 
I uh, now what year was that? Not sorry to interrupt, but oh, I would have a little trouble putting my finger on it, but it, it would have been when Game Boy Dick Tracy came out or, okay. or NES Dick Tracy. So the, because I was working with that guy then, and that's kind of my mental sure. The, the Gravis card had just come out. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um and uh and I think I think I had just done uh I think I had just done Wing Commander. Mm. Okay. Also, so 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 that 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 gives an idea too yeah. because I believe it was at that first one that they had the first awards for okay. video games. Okay. And the sound award went to Wing Commander. And I and they brought the producer up. And I did one of those things where I stood up and, you know, I got up and went and stood next to him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> dedicated the award to Dave Govett, who was right now had been called up and might be going to to Iran, you know. Wow. So, yeah. I, I did yeah. one of those things. And I didn't get a copy of the award, so I made up my own certificates and had, had Chris sign them. <laughs> good for you. <laughs> That's good. So later, uh, as the community started to develop, Mm-hmm. Uh, I would. I felt like I had uh, a role in it, and 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 I would call the jams. I would. I would make sure that that musicians would get together. Game musicians would get together and jam, and I'd have uh, uh, rogue jam sessions at the at the developer conferences too. And boy, those were yeah. something. So <laughs> then that uh, another group uh, uh, would have like the they they'd reserve a room at the GDC, which was easier to do in those days. And all the audio people would go in. It was kind of like audio town hall. And there was a certain amount of like, hey, does anyone have any problems that are working on? Hey, let's talk about things, you know, let's share. And uh, it looked like it was winding down that that one year. Tom Reddig, Tom White, uh, who else was, was at the front? Um, I'm trying to remember. They're trying to get this get, get this together. Uh, but uh, it looked like the, the meeting was winding down. And I had this idea that, you know, w- that I was working too hard to try to write different versions of different things. And I was having to do MIDI and sometimes audio. Uh, and some games could handle audio and some games could handle MIDI. Why did I need two systems? And I thought of this idea that if you could, it's basically like, like in Nuendo when you use a sampler track. Mm-hmm. It's like, wow, if we could have MIDI control of audio files of any length, it would be a general solution. You could either do short notes and do composition like MIDI compositions, or you could do long notes and use the MIDI to control the interactivity of the things. Yeah. So something something like that. And then if there were uh, interactivity, it would be written in a standard language, MIDI, that everybody could have access to. So if there's a standard language also that would incorporate um, the rules of interactivity for a game, then that would be to game audio, to interactive audio, what MIDI is to linear music or what, you know, ASCII is to typing, you know, it would, it would do a couple of functions at first, but once it happened, the possibilities would be endless once you blew it into a computer and started manipulating the data and turned it loose to the programmers. So that was kind of my concept. And I had I had further elaborations on where that could go, but I brought it up, and the people from uh, one of the major sound companies, sound sound uh, card companies, said, "Oh, George, we've got you mean 
uploadable samples. We've got that under control. And someone else said, yeah, uploadable samples. What do you guys think about uploadable samples? And they, <laughs> they downloadable, uploadable, they, they use the terms interchangeably. And the meeting caught fire. It wasn't exactly what I was talking about, but it really took off and people got yeah. very excited about it. And I came back later and Mark Miller, Tom Reddig, Tom White, and a couple of other guys, hardworking, smart, what would I call well-behaved uh, <laughs> people were, were saying, well, maybe we should form an organization, you know, and I had gone off and gotten a beer and came back and like, oh, what are you guys doing? Oh, we're thinking about forming another organization. Oh, that IA SIG stands for I actually started it, George. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> not true. I didn't really start it. But I, but I catalyzed it. You were part of it, though. Yeah, yeah, and I was a part of it. And uh, that organization uh, formed under the MIDI Manufacturers Association under the MMA, Mm -hmm. Uh, and and there was some fun and some meetings and things like that. And uh, you're going to have to edit the heck out of this, aren't you? (laughs) Nah, not really. (laughs) We're just making a long show. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So that that group started. what was it that they handled? They they uh, they were looking at the first of all the downloadable samples mm. um, and trying to make a, a a standard for those. Yeah. And while they were doing that, I had done the first General MIDI game, which was Seventh Guest, and I made a big deal about how great General MIDI was in the instruction packet in the manual for the game. And thank you to Trilobite for taking a chance on this new format. Hopefully we won't have to, you know, this will play on future sound cards. Haven't even been invented yet. Thank you. Thank you. And, you know, it's like two pages long. <laughs> and then, and then, but there, were, there was only one general MIDI sound card. So when other ones came out and Seventh Guest played on them, it d- didn't sound good. And that was because there, the standard didn't cover how loud instruments should be compared to each other. Uh, so the mix was random and it didn't cover how fast the attack speed should be. So if you played a fast riff on a slow attack violin, say, yeah, you, you hear nothing. So mm-hmm. I'm like, I, I owe something to the world here. And, and also people were coming up with sound cards and they wanted me, they, they wanted me to endorse them. And I, so I was picturing sound cards coming out with my picture on the box. Right. <laughs> yeah. Then, Cause I'm that way. And, <laughs> and or I was, I don't yeah. know. I probably still am. <laughs> and uh, I, I pictured it sounding bad, and that's a bad thing. So we started Fat Labs, and we were going to test the sound cards and make sure that they sounded like the sound canvas did, or at least, you know, when you write on the sound canvas, the music would play in a similar balance. Well, Spanky, bless her heart, put out a press release that said, there's a new standard. <laughs> you know, this is the new standard. And she sent it out to everybody. And so in the in the IA SIG meetings, it was like, what is George doing? You can't just declare a standard. And the, you know, I mean, Tom White, he's running the MMA. You know, they're in charge if they know what a standard is. We didn't know what a standard was. So that was how I got in with that group and, and started having a lot of interaction with the with the IA SIG and and with trying to get some consensus about how to make General MIDI work, because it didn't work. Um, and so I made a lot of friends and uh, smoothed over some some animosity. And I, th- I think it all leveled out pretty well. And <laughs> it also led to the Think Tank conferences. Sure. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, 
through the, so people were asking me, well, what's the future of sound cards? Cause it was really kind of a jumbly mess and they would crash the computers mm-hmm. more than anything else would crash the computers. So I said, well, the, the future of sound cards is, oh, I don't know. Well, maybe you should ask Tom. No, he wouldn't know because he doesn't write. Maybe, you know, it would take a bunch of people. It would take, and I started getting this idea of a group brain. Mm-hmm. Um, and so me and, me and Spanky came up with the idea of, you know, let's get these guys together and let's get them some, uh, you know, let's get them some instruments to jam on. Let's get them somewhere out in Texas away from the fluorescent lights. Uh, let's get them a bunch of toys to play with. Let, you know, let's have some cigars and some scotch. And, and let's make it a party and then we'll brainstorm, we'll solve the problems and it'll be great. And, and the weird thing was it actually, that happened. Tom yeah. White came out to make sure that we didn't get in trouble, you know, <laughs> to make sure we didn't mess things up. Yeah. So our, so Project Barbecue became like a sister organization to IA SIG after a couple of little tussles back and forth, mm. it became, we were like the speedboat. We go out and explore uncharted territory. And then we bring our discoveries back to the more legitimate organizations. So if there's a standards organization, we would make sure that they got our findings. If there was mm-hmm. a, you know, something like the IA SIG, you know, that the, the, they could they could work out things within that community. So the IA SIG, uh, and 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 Linda became the chairman of the IA SIG for a good long time. Okay. So their function. It was not the social function, although there was social stuff there. It was not the MIDI manufacturers. It was the interactive audio. And it was the technical side and, you know, where there's, where we've all got to get on the same page. That was, that was what they did. So they would, they took up the, the downloadable samples. They took up the, uh, the education, uh, Michael Sweet had a yeah. nice role in that and, and spearheaded getting them into trying to put our, our accumulated knowledge all in one place on a, uh, on the world wide web, for instance. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the net. <laughs> uh, we also had interestingly uh, the fat general solution um, actually got pretty far. The aspect of having a standard file format for the interactivity of a game that was called the IXMF working group. Hmm. And I've got a picture of the luminaries who met on that. And it included all three LucasArts stooges. Hmm. It included uh, Chris Grigg and, and my brother, Rick, who's kind of a, who was a computer whiz at the time. And I think Brian Schmidt might've been there, oh, okay. um, but it was a lot of smart people. And if I had oh. been better at programming, if I really knew anything about modern program. I, I learned to learn to program in, in ancient languages back in the day. Um, you know, maybe I could have been of some actual use to them, but it, it, it's, it floundered at, it got very far. It needed approval. Chris Grigg did the lion's share of the work with a lot of input from everybody else. Uh, but somebody needed to work on it and somebody needed to give feedback into it. I believe it's still frozen in carbonite somewhere. You know, the, the, how, however far we got. But the idea is that if you could save a file out of WISE and read it into FMOD or into the Elias, just having that file and being able to manipulate it with the computer in some smart way, 
it really opens up the possibilities of doing interactive audio. So the, all those things exist, and that's the kind of role that the IASIG uh, would play. So where there are tough nuts to crack, it, 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 a lot of it used to be trying to keep the computer, trying to keep the sound cards from crashing the computer. <laughs> that's you how know? it all and started. Yeah, and you take mm-hmm. it from there and, and move on into, it takes too many, you know, one of Clint Bajakian's things that he brought up at Barbecue, which I don't think it quite made it to the IAC, was it takes a lot of clicks for me to be able to do what I want to, to express what I want to express musically on the computer. Can we, how do, would we approach fixing that? <laughs> and I suppose there would be some AI answers now. Dangerous territory, but mm-hmm. interesting territory. Uh, coming up with a common vocabulary for interactive audio, mm-hmm. um, you know, things like that are mm-hmm. really good cases for the, for the IA SIG mm-hmm. and getting in there and, and for a musician to get in there or a, a sound designer uh, to get into that community, they would be in a position where they would have the ear of a community. They would have a brain, group brain power of a community and they would be able to influence the issues, they'd be able to take responsibility for the issues that are slowing them down. Mm-hmm. So that's that's kind of how I see uh, the IA SIG. And, I, and I, I could not be more pleased that Chase is, uh, is taking a role in that. Because yeah. we started chatting about what kind of, what kind of possibilities for the future there are. Um, and I think he's got the, he's got the stuff. Yeah. You know, whatever the stuff is. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he, I think he's he he can he sees what's actually here, and he can smell the future. You know, <laughs> he's he's leaning yeah. forward a little bit. He's like, oh, just around the corner. Here's some really sweet, sweet world for the game audio. Mm-hmm. Uh, Composer Chase Bethia. Yeah, I'm not quite sure his title with IASIG now, but I know that he's he's he's, he's it's in the role that my ex-wife. Okay. Had that, that Linda Law had, and uh, in between Linda and Chase, it was uh, Kurt Hyden for for many years. But uh, I think that it's it's time for for a new generation and a new t- a, a new group of people to to grab this thing. I think it's a good setup. I think it's it's going to feel at first like inheriting an old car, and <laughs> and it's like now let now let's hot rod this thing now let's hook up the nitro exactly yeah because it's a good old car yeah yeah and i don't think it needs to be torn to the ground i think that there's enough there that people will be able to uh, uh to take it somewhere that i never dreamed of couple of times just some of the notes that I jotted down here um, you mentioned the jam sessions that you started at GDC and other places where you would have jam sessions now when I go to a jam you know if I'm at a conference now and I go to a jam a lot of times they're playing video game music is that what you guys were playing then too or were you jamming on like the Beatles and stuff oh, the Beatles and stuff yeah dad rock um, <laughs> I, I, but your you words know, 
<laughs> yeah. Well, so some of the great things, ah, uh, great moments in the jam. Um, you know, Brian Schmidt, you, you, have you interviewed him? Oh, yes. I, I just is talked he, to him today, not in person, but yeah. Yeah, I know Brian. Is, is, is he a little bit smart, do you think? Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. What do you yes. think? I mean, I'd like to get a second opinion. I think your yeah. assessment is correct, yes. <laughs> He's yeah, yeah, a yeah. wise, I, smart guy. When, when, I was, when, when I was running audio at Magic Leap, he was, he was uh, among the very first people that I brought in. Mm. Uh, and boy, was I lucky to get him. Yeah, he was fantastic. Yeah. Well, w- one of the highlights was that when uh, uh, who was it, Activision or whoever, stopped making the Leisure Suit Larry games for whatever reason. Um, there, it was a good franchise in its way. Uh, you know, <laughs> it's it w- its time had not run out yet. It has run out now. <laughs> this is not the time for the Larry, the, the Larry franchise. But uh, in the day, they stopped it just for those random reasons that that game companies stopped them. And so we had a wake for Leisure Suit Larry, oh. and uh, and it was a it was a spectacular jam. And one of the highlights was actually the guitar player from Night Ranger showed up, <laughs> and he went to Linda, who was running the clipboard, and she told him, "Well, you have to put your name on the clipboard if you want to get up there." So he walked out. <laughs> <laughs> Another good one was that Brian Schmidt, maybe you don't know this, but he's uh, he is the Bootsy in a Funkadelic cover band. What? And when, when Brian and, and when we were talking at Magic Leap about uh, imposter syndrome, yeah. you know, me, me and Brian and, and uh, Stefan Schutz and a couple of other folks were talking about, you know, imposter syndrome you know how we all kind of feel like wow you know we're not bringing everything to the table that we could and these other people around me they're so smart and and i said brian you get it too he said oh i get it bad and i said well you must be in the bootsy guy in a in a funkadelic band and he goes oh no that i can do So Brian, anyway, having Brian play his Bootsy riffs in one of those jams was just fantastic. And uh, going to Brian Moriarty, who is one of the top game designers, and mm-hmm. you know that you, you've heard stories about the about the uh, GDC, how you know meet in the bar—that's where it's all happening. Yeah, and in yeah. in one of those in one of those prototypical bars where it yeah. was like, oh my God, there's there's Brian and he's talking to. I, I can't even think of like four other names, but it, you know, it was a Noah Falstein and, and there's uh, you know, there's uh Graham divine and you know, the, all these great designers are sitting around yeah. and Brian's got his whiskey and he's the intellect, you know, <laughs> and he, because he later, he worked with, with Spielberg on, you know, when Spielberg got into games and, and uh, you know, he always gave our most like transcendental philosophical lectures at GDC. He's amazing. Yeah. And, uh, he said, oh, "I I don't I don't play with live bands. I I do karaoke." <laughs> and uh, and and uh, I said, "Well, you ought to think about it. you know you ought to think about coming out and jamming. You know, just sing a song. We'll be your karaoke machine." And uh, so we went out t- went on talked a little bit more and had a couple more whiskeys. And I looked over at him about like forty five minutes later, and I said, "You're thinking about the jam right now, aren't you?" And he goes, "I'm thinking which tune I'm going to do." <laughs> 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 and he did "Sympathy for the Devil." Oh God. 
<laughs> and he did a mighty fine job of that. And actually, we became very good friends from from that point on. Oh, and he funny. would report in. And he'd say, I don't do karaoke anymore. I have a jam band now. <laughs> you changed his life. I changed his life. <laughs> and he yours. I'm he, sure. Mine, many, yeah. many ways. He was the producer for Loom. So he's the guy who chose mm. those seven movements of Swan Lake for me to do. And okay. a wiser more subtle decision could never have been made. He's a guy, he was hanging out at, at Lucas, uh, at Skywalker ranch on his 21st birthday. And he had his first legal drink. He goes over and opens the case and takes out the Holy grail <laughs> from, not from, from Monty Ra Python, from Raiders, from Raiders, from Raiders. Raiders. Yeah. yeah. Raiders though. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Up of a carpenter. <laughs> Boom. He hired uh, Team Fat for a, for a gig. He was our record company. He always wanted to be a record company. So when we put out our three little CDs, he was secretly our, our record company, did all the art and, and, and whatever little bit of distribution. Uh, but we were working on a gig with him. Oh, my gosh. Was it that gig? Oh, boy. I think he might have been at 3DO and he might have gotten us this weird comedy gig where we were supposed to be in the game as the pit band, the cowboy clad surf rock pit band for a communist game show in which if you won it, you could take over a country. Again, not the time <laughs> for that one, but it was a pretty hilarious game. And, and he came out to visit us in Austin and we had that intellectual Bostonian. Uh, we had him out on a horse. <laughs> <laughs> Looking, looking happy and uncomfortable. It yeah. <laughs> what a beautiful guy. Oh, uh, that's incredible. I'm sorry. Did I lose the thread? I say great place. Yeah. think that with seventh guest because that was 90 90 was that I don't know I'm Ask looking Google. I'm looking I, I don't you we don't even have to Google I've already got it 93 93 Whoa. yeah yeah I was in high so school mm -hmm. uh, 93 um, you know the thing because it's a it's like interactive no novel, right? It's it's you're right. literally like turning the pages in this. That story. was so crazy it's innovative that game. That when Wing Commander was too. I don't know how I landed in this in the in the sweet spot for both of those. And weirdly, they were both the the like very very first games to use interstitials. Like, you know the the what do you call those yeah. cutscenes? Yeah, interstitials. We didn't know yeah. what to call them. In Seventh Guest, we didn't have a name for them. So I suggested, let's call it a finite amount of theater. <laughs> I, I don't mean to laugh, but that's, it's an absurd, no that's an absurd thing to call it. But it's a beautiful thing to well, call yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey. Okay, hey. Don't miss that. <laughs> 
finite amounts of theater. Is that what you said? Fi- a finite amount of theater. Beautiful. You know, come on, guys, yeah. let's. You were talking about, I totally hijacked it. You were talking about seventh guest. Oh, yeah. And, and then and then I interrupted you and said, I can't believe I got <laughs> that was so innovative. Yeah. And you were saying, oh, because it was interactive. Uh, yeah, it was it was interactive drama. Yeah, which, you know, even now I would say is kind of a niche side of gaming, really. I mean, it's this very dedicated world of gaming, but it's, you know, I mean, when people think of video games, they don't think of interactive novels, I don't think. But but The Seventh Guest was, that's just like, that, that took over the world, really. I mean, certainly the country. And just talk to me, if you, if you would, about just the music um, in that kind of setting compared to, you know, Wing Commander or compared to just more action-y kinds of games where, you know, you're really supporting a narrative in a different way than you would be in maybe something with more action or something, you know? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. no, that's a good question. I, I mean, the, the approach that I took, you know, the, the Wing Commander moments are all moments. Now, mm-hmm. Wing, Commander, Wing Commander 2, there were some character themes, mm-hmm. but 7th Guest, I, I drew a grid. And yes. uh, it was based on the the seven guests, more or less, and that was you know that was a vertical, and then okay. you know and and then each each one of them got a key. And this I was gonna I was gonna dig into my into my you know classical music yeah thing. So each yeah. of them got a, a key and a style and an instrument and a motif, and then. It's like, okay, now that that's established, at least on paper, you know, written, now I, now I can go and, okay, so now it's just a matter of actually making the music so that I can be like Wagner. The, you know, the only thing that's missing is the music. Okay. And <laughs> what, I found, what I found was that when there were, by making it character-based, it worked really well. And I, I got very... Uh, it's like if there's a scene where these sort of not spectacular, you know, if you're watching any of the cut scenes from, from seventh guest, you know, it, it feels, it has this beauty to it, which, but it's melodramatic. It's yeah. over the top. And uh, I found what really worked was just to like uh, score the scene. And whenever one of those characters was forward, I would dip into there their bag of elements, throw them on the, the daw, you know, throw, throw them into the tune. And then if they were interacting with somebody else, I'd grab a couple of other elements and throw those in. And sometimes you get half ostrich and half elephant, you get a little fent or something. And, uh, <laughs> but it, it would work beautifully. Mm-hmm. And, and so if there was an action moment that had to do with the characters, I would play up the action. Uh, I had sort of a dolls theme and the dolls played big in the thing. I don't even remember. And, and stuff, I guess the, the main bad guy, uh, that would be kind of the main thing. So I just threw themes at it. And I, and I found that by having that much strictness, that one little grid, everything else could be very loose and I didn't really have to follow it. I would just go in there and grab some of that and throw it in and then write music out of that. 
and 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 go for feel. And those little elements held it together uh, in enough of a way that you could read into it what you needed to read into it. Which, by the way, Brian Moriarty gave a speech on the secret of why the Beatles are awesome. And it's called Who Buried Paul? And it is totally worth watching. And, And at the end of the day, the answer is, I'll cut right to the chase. Here's the takeaway. You give the people enough chaos. There's enough music, but there's enough chaos that they can look into it. They can constellate from the parts what they, what they need to see. They can see the pictures. You know, they can they can they can turn it into what they what they need to get out of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so, a little bit of that was happening in Seventh Guest. Yeah. Thanks for asking that question. I hope that answers it some. No, it does. I you know I'm always fascinated by that just that genre of gaming, you know? I mean, I just find it find it fascinating because I, I feel like as far as games go, that appeals to quite a broad, quite a broad audience because you get your puzzlers, you get your readers, you know, you get the people who love the story, all of those things. Well, just, yeah, yeah. And, and let's go back to, 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 to part of what made it fun was that I didn't have it. I mean, you talk about it as a genre, to me, I don't think it was a genre yet. No, no, it wasn't. Not at so, no. So because it was the first sort of game made for CD-ROM, the first game with this this much content in it, yeah, that had to be on a CD-ROM, and and it was the first like, like it was a, the 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 CD-ROM game before that that had sold top was uh, Sherlock Holmes Adventures. It did twenty thousand copies. Wow, and then. And then Seventh Guest did a million and a half copies right out of the box. And it was a brand new thing. There hadn't been anything that lush, you know, with scenes and and mm-hmm. and, and it was MIDI music, but it even had little bits of real music. And I was so excited by that that I made 20 extra music out, minutes of music outside of the contract, you know, because we figured out that this new thing, the CD-ROM, it could play, you know, CD music. They yeah. had to check to see if it would do it. And uh, so if you put the game disc into your CD player and don't play the first track because it'll go but you go past it, <laughs> then you could hear all this uh, all this real music with lyrics and stuff. I can't take a step. I can't make a move. I can't sing a song. I can't sing a song this animal. And I was so, and I thought, wow, this is a great, a great opportunity to get in front of a audience with, with voice and songwriting and stuff. Uh, but, but there was yep. no genre, and I wasn't fulfilling any expectations. So that was right. really fun. Yeah. So I got to dip into my, my West Side Story chops and my Twilight Zone chops and my Beatles chops and my, you know, Bo Diddley and Doors and and whatever. <laughs> Whatever I could think of, mm-hmm. uh, there might have been some calypso in there, 
uh, just anything. Yeah. Uh, as long as it's a little, a little scary or surrealistic. <laughs> well, and and I I love, yeah. And I love that there are songs because even now it's depending on the game, you're probably not going to hear a song with lyrics, you know, and I, I love that. So tell me, tell me more about that decision. Well, you know, that was, I think I made a lot of decisions based on, Hey, this is a dumb idea, but it's, but it's, it's for the good. <laughs> Yeah, and, you know this is this is stupid. Let's do it. <laughs> uh, and and there was always this sort of what is beautiful in life. The Beatles are beautiful in life. How can mm-hmm. I bring that kind of beauty? Uh, and that's that's why Brian Moriarty's talk was so great for me. How can I bring that? Was the prime directive? How can I bring something that approaches that? And songs with lyrics. I mean, I'm not saying that my songs, you know, stand up alongside Let It Be or something, but but let's go there. Mm-hmm. You know, let's let's push in that direction and let's write something that has some, you know, nothing does it like songs. And so I just did it. And that has continued with me. And I, I would say that if I have a place now in the game audio world, do you know Adam Gubman? I do. Have mm-hmm. you, oh, okay. So mm-hmm. so when he he he's when he does a lyric song for games, I get to be his lyricist. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and he can choose from some good lyricists, you know, he's, he, he, you know, that he did that, uh, that song, this is me from the, he produced the song from, from uh, the greatest showman. Oh, I did not know award winning thing. And he does these, uh, he produces Disney shows for that go at the Hollywood bowl and he he writes songs that they do at the at the parades. Yeah, um, he's doing those things. But mm-hmm. but uh, but he he we work together. We've worked together on a whole bunch of lyricy things. Oh, cool. Oh, there have been some good ones too. There have been like uh, some of these little games mm-hmm. that that you wouldn't think much about. You know, these little uh, mobile games and uh, stuff. Mobile mobile games that are like mm-hmm. meant for uh, they're puzzle games, but they're they're you know, success stories for women, you know, of, you know, you, you're a, a detective or you've, you know, you're just an apprentice at a pet hospital and you're working your way up and it's going to become your pet hospital and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. One of them was, it was a contest between the dads, uh, between the husbands, because okay. the, the women were together. They were bragging about who's got the most incompetent husband, you know, well, my, my husband can't even do this. He can't even do this. Yeah. They're, they're complaining about, so, so they have a contest. Who's the best, you know, and uh, who's the best, who's the worst. And uh, the drama that unfolds is that one of the couples, they're going to have a, the, the, the woman's pregnant and they were, they were going to get married, but the, the man decides the, the, the young man, he decides he's not going to do it. He's too scared to have a baby. But then he decides, he, and he's a musician. He's kind of a crummy musician. And he decides he's going he's gonna to marry her anyway. And he writes her a song about it. And I get to write that song. And then she says, no, with that attitude, you're not going to. What you're going to do is I'm going to have the kid and you're going to babysit it. At some point, you're going to watch the kid. And in the process of the game, he watches the kid. He falls in love with the kid. He realizes what's there. Mm-hmm. He rewrites the song. Oh, cool. And he sings that. And I get to write that. Nice. 
So the first one is all like, baby, baby, it's you and me. You know, even though we have a kid, it's going to be great anyway. <laughs> yeah. And the second one is baby, baby, I love you. You know, yeah. baby, when I look in your eyes, it's, you know. So, uh, yeah, some of those beautiful things. Ashtray on the sofa, tablecloth is torn. La da 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 da. Faded pair of blue jeans, no more to be worn. La da 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 da. Taxman comes a calling, I won't be there no more. When I leave this troubled ocean, when I head in the shore. Great opportunity for, for a songwriting mm-hmm. experience. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if, if we're not too much running out of time, another one, uh, there's a, a detective, a female detective, mm-hmm. whose dad was a tough cop, and, and he died. She's got an enemy, a, uh, an attorney, who just can't stand her and she can't stand him. The attorney has a daughter all he cares about and she had that relationship with her dad which was very big to her so they meet at the funeral mad at each other oh what are you doing here Mm -hmm. but they start drinking a tune comes on for the dad for the funeral yeah and it has to touch their hearts and they decide that they're they like each other enough they're going to work for work with each other and crack cases and I get to write that song. So it's about the relationship between a dad and a daughter. It's oh, a nice. tender song. And about, you know, who will kiss my daughter when I go out to sea, you know? It, it, so it's kind of the, um, it's a great opportunity anyway. Yeah. I just love, love doing those things. Yeah. It's so fun. You know, you've, Talk, you talked about the Beatles a few times, and you know if you go to your YouTube page, which you've been putting up videos since like YouTube was born, it's amazing. <laughs> um, so that's that. There's a lot of content there, but you also have recently, I think last year was maybe your newest one. You did these deep dives. In oh my gosh! Two, yeah, yeah, which this is fun, and I noticed I'm like these are like almost all of these are Beatles tunes, and so you know it's clear that you know, you obviously you admire their music. And if you're able to make, you know, six videos about one song deep diving, it's pretty obvious that those songs are great, obviously. But um, just tell me a little bit about what they were like for you. You talked about it a little bit earlier, how, you know, it was the help Beatles, the movie, maybe the movie Beatles, but I just, you know, love to know more about their influence on you musically. Thank you. Thank you for asking that. Thank you for asking that. Um, sure. They're, uh, so it's maybe a little hard for someone who's, uh, who's younger, who didn't experience it, um, to, to know how much more, uh, more popular they were than just anybody. I mean, they, they were seriously, the, the world's eyes were on these four people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they were also stupidly talented for their for their age mm-hmm. uh they were ridiculously intertwined with each other they had a you know the interacting with each other they had a great look they were way ahead of of things musically in so many ways they were their arrangements were elegant they had an incredible team behind them it was just the perfect storm everything that they do bears close scrutiny but 
there was something intangible. The, there was a, a humor to them that the world lit up when you were watching them and, and you, and you felt like you were getting like you were, you were seeing into another space. Uh, it was akin to when I was uh, in middle school, hanging out with the cool kids in the high school band. Cause I got drafted into high school band two years early. Nice. So nice. I was hearing these, these people joking about, you know, making my first, you know, dirty jokes and, and, and making their first, you know, plans to, you know, we need to, we need no one to park here so that we can do marching band practice, you know, and the, and the, and the director goes, well, uh, you know, it'd be great if there was a red curb out there. Um, there's some red paint in the closet. Need I say more, <laughs> you know, and, and I'm like, am I saying, can we, is this okay? <laughs> you know, <laughs> is this what life is like? Um, and, and you get that feeling when you're looking at the Beatles and, and I had that. And, and, uh, so I tracked it down musically, spiritually, humorously. I tried to do it with, with a, a look, but couldn't pull that off. You know, I didn't have the hair for it. But uh, actually, whenever, uh, you know, I let myself be guided by that and, and by, uh, also by that band director who was that kind of rascal. In fact, that's, uh, that vintage telly was, was his. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, the thing is, if you could do things one way or another way, and this other way was the way the Beatles did it, then you did it the way the Beatles did it. <laughs> so, you know, if you could. Mm -hmm. So, uh, because that's, that's the clunky way of bringing that uh, love and that light. That's your first. It's like, well, what will I do? Well, I'll just imitate them. Mm. Or I'll just wallow in that vibe. And that vibe will get on me. And, and even though I can't understand it intellectually, uh, whatever it is, I know it's good. It shone through a dark time. There wasn't really, TV wasn't that great. When it was great, it wasn't enlightening. Mm -hmm. I wasn't really going to church. You know, I went to Hebrew school and temple and stuff like that, but it really wasn't, it didn't get through to me. When the Beatles sang those things, you know, what was that? You know, when I think about um, some of my favorite music through time, whether it's yeah, do it Bach or Bjork or whatever it whatever it might be, or a Beatles song, you know, and I can listen to it over and over again, and um, you know, whether it's the simplicity or the flute line or whatever it might be. Uh, you know, I can, as, as much as I love all kinds of musics, I can pretty easily go, okay, here's some of my favorite stuff that I wish everybody knew. So when, you know, when you think about the Beatles catalog and as large as it is, um, you know, what are some of those moments for you in their catalog where you feel like this is the most perfect song everything about this song is perfect if they had added that's something an, yeah that's Tell an me. issue that's an issue because <laughs> uh, because there's no quintessential beatles song okay <laughs> yeah because it because they're they're their whole over yeah morphs through time it but does when I, okay when i was first picking up guitar i had a buddy ron michelson is like my best buddy for years, all through high school and, yeah. and a lot in middle school. And in middle school, I go and visit him. We, you know, play Marco Polo in the pool. We play 
we play pool in the Marco Polo. That that doesn't that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> but he would put on Beatles records. He had kind of a renaissance, you know. I mean, at first it was my babysitter, you know, brought us the singles and we'd listen to those, you know, okay. as little kids. Yeah. But when Ron, he's a he's a freeway designer, and uh, and he's an avid Beatle fan, and he would put on Taxman. He'd say, and he'd look right at me and he'd go, me tell you how it will be, tax man. And then, and then when, you know, when it come around, it, you know, second verse, he'd like, you know, the, oh, the tambourines come in. And ah, Mr. Wilson. And then when that verse comes around where they're doing the, the background vocals, he, Frere Shaka, you know, they're singing Frere Shaka as a background for that. And I'm like, so it was this energy. It was like, yeah. Listen to the listen, you know. Mm-hmm. And and Ron and I, I don't think we were in a band yet, but that way we formed our first band with with him and me, and we and and we got our buddy Paul to play bass, and and my brother, my mom made us play with my brother, who later <laughs> went on to get like seven Grammys playing with the Oh, that brother. <laughs> okay. That brother. David, right? David, very yeah. good. Oh my god! <laughs> uh, so that was that's one like Beatle moment. Here's another Beatle moment. Yeah, I was in college. Ravi Shankar comes to my college, oh, Occidental College. Oh wow! Oh yeah, you know that. Oh yeah. And uh, and Ron happened to be visiting. He he had visiting me. He went he went to another college. Uh, he happened to be visiting, so we went to see Ravi Shankar free concert in the chapel, and there was going to be a dinner afterwards downstairs. Indian food, all free, you know, just donate. And we heard George Harrison was going to be there. Oh my God. Wow. Yeah. So we, we yeah. grab our little, I don't know what this is, but yeah, <laughs> there he is. There he is. Okay. So I went over to him and Ron, bless his heart, you know, positioned himself behind me so that he could see George through my glasses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I say, I say, uh, hi, my name's George. Uh, <laughs> we have something in common. Now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Uh, yeah. My name's George. I, I wonder if you'd like to, you know, to talk about music or in, in things. And he goes, "Well, I'm eating my dinner right now." I go, "Well, maybe later." And he goes, "Why don't you go eat your dinner?" So <laughs> me and Ron, we run back up the hill to my dorm. And we get out the Beatle records and we try to find songs that are about food. <laughs> so we can decode the secret message. <laughs> did oh you find gosh. it? Oh yeah, we did. Uh, <laughs> Savoy truffle. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's a song that uh, George wrote for Eric Clapton to let wow. him know he was going to get sick and wreck his body eating all that candy. <laughs> There's also a great uh, Beatle moment. This isn't my Beatle moment. I got to tell this one though. You know Marty O'Donnell. Marty O'Donnell. Yes, yes. Yeah, I do. So I I tried to hire him into Magic Leap as well. Okay. And uh, he got a little busy after we decided. Yeah, you know, let's let's talk about this. Let's move on this. So he he got another thing going on, but he did come out, and uh, he he told the story because he had been working with Sir Paul. That's right. And doing a good job of it too. Yeah, and uh, he was bumming out because he he you know that adventure happened. And Sir yeah. Paul, every he's everything you'd you'd want him to be. Uh, you know, he calls up Marty. He says, "Hey, Marty, I heard you, you know, having a little trouble there, and I just thought I'd reach out." 
Marty goes, oh, yeah. He says, thanks, Paul. He says, it must be very hard. He says, yeah, you know, these guys were my my buddies. They were my mates. You know, it feels like the band broke up. And then he goes, did I just... <laughs> Did I just? Did you just say that to Paul McCartney? <laughs> Paul McCartney, who, for our younger listeners, knows what it's like when a band breaks up. He knows. He knows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and, and actually, when I when I uh, brought Marty in to meet the, our big boss mm. in that in the short moment that we had with the big boss to try to get hired there, uh, Marty plays. It came up, and Marty played a phone message that he had on his. Honest thing from Paul McCartney. Oh, go ahead. Hello, Malty. This is this is Paul from England. <laughs> <laughs> and the boss looks at me and winks, and he says, "Well, I guess we gotta we gotta hire him. It's the, it's the McCartney rule." So Marty goes, "What's the McCartney rule?" He says, "If anyone has a message from Paul McCartney on their phone, we have to hire him. It's the rule around here. Even if it's made up, even if it's if it's, if, if it's an impersonator, we have to do it." <laughs> yeah, the Beatles. Uh, the Beatles. I. I. I, I we're just so blessed to live in a world that has those guys in it. And there are yeah. so many other people that, that, you know, that are, that are wonderful, but somehow the Beatles resonate for me. And mm-hmm. I think that if other people out there, hello, I'm looking at you. If there's something that resonates like that for you, and it doesn't have to be Beatles, you know, it, it, it can be, uh, Beyonce, uh, Queen Beyonce. Yeah. 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 <laughs> These powerful things that, 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 that speak to you in that invisible world. Cause when you, uh, uh, what, what art does is is that it's playing this uh, this communication game where without words or with abstract words, it, it's putting a feeling from one person's heart into into yours, and it affirms that there's an invisible world. You know when this magic happens, and if yeah. that magic is happening for you, tune into it. It's important. There's a lot more invisible world than there is visible world. <sighs> Uh, and it makes a lot of sense to tune in. And it's this is practical advice. And that may be part of what I got out of, that may be the bottom line, Emily, about, you know, when you're asking me about the Beatles or even the monkeys, mm-hmm. um, you know, what's the takeaway? And the takeaway is there's an invisible world going on. Pay attention to it. When it speaks to you, when you sit up in bed and go, oh my God, I could wear beetle boots, they'd fit. You know, I could play, uh, if I turn up the treble, then it'll tickle people's ears. You know, if I write the the lyrics that are the plans for a submarine, you know, just whatever makes your heart just go, wow, mm-hmm. then then pay attention to it. Don't necessarily do it, but it's the it's the muses speaking to you. And there yeah. and it's there is power in that that will make that will bless every aspect of your normal life. Yeah, and I think, too, it's important to remember to listen, like you're saying, you know, follow those things and don't listen to what other people say about them. If, you know, because that's hard, too. If if you really love something and people are like, well, that's no good, you should be listening to this, uh, that can, that can it be It tells damaging. you something about, yeah, it, can't, it tells you something about them. Yeah, definitely. It tells you what, what, what they're hearing and what they're tuned into. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. sometimes you may need them, you know, you yeah. may need that attitude. But for right now, that's just information. There are different yeah. different people are tuned into different things at different times. At our core, we're all the same. There's a moment when you may have to do your taxes. <laughs> I'm on extension. I still have three months. <laughs> that wasn't meant to. Yeah, my clairvoyant. I know. How did I know? Ah, see the invisible world. Maybe just two. I months. I get these messages. 
<laughs> you'll make it. You'll, you'll do good. Yeah, I mean, I, I grew up in a, with a mom who loves the Beatles. Um, she she isn't a, you know, she didn't make music her life or anything. Um, but I definitely got a lot of Beatles from her, which was nice. And for her, it was always the harmony. She just loved oh my to goodness. sing the harmony. You know, she, she was an alto, or she is an alto. So she just loved singing those harmony lines. And I think that that refined my ear as a child too, honestly, if we really want to get super deep into it, I think that hearing their counterpoint, you know, um, definitely. Can I play you a thing I worked on yesterday? Please. Yes. Actually, I worked on it today, but I, but I, but I put these harmonies down more yesterday. I think if I do this and I'm not sure that you'll, that I, that I need to share a screen depending on how this voice meter is working, but let me know if you can hear this. All those shifting lines weaving in and out. Tight it's, harmonies, it's, uh, sus chords. Love that. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Thanks. Yeah. It's it's that's the uh, that's that's the it's sort of the Beach Boys Beatles challenge. Okay. You know, can I can I do it? Can I reach in there and 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 make myself vulnerable? And yeah, I, got, I had to auto tune a bit, but. Um, <laughs> and I think the ending yeah. is like sort of maybe maybe too obviously from the the last side of Abbey Road from the last bit. There's a little Pink Floyd in there too. Oh, there's a little Pink Floyd in there. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of dark side in there. A little, you know. Look at that Floyd. It's very little in pink. <laughs> <laughs> well, just <laughs> you know what I mean, though. Yeah. You no, 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 a little, little Pink bit? Floyd. Yeah. Yeah, 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 you're right. Yeah. 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 Just, I mean, just the feel of it. Not necessarily any specific line per se, but just the the the, the reverb, the the. The oh yeah, the, the choral yeah. in the back and the yeah, the bass. Oh, yeah, line. you yeah. know, and the chords are kind of a, a see you on the dark side of the moon. Just a little, yeah, 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 yeah. Voice is like see, there's there's we were talking about songs too. Yeah, it's a, magic. A song, a song with lyrics. It's like a painting with eyes in it. A point, a paint, you got yeah. you got two kinds of paintings. You got paintings <laughs> that don't have any eyes in them, and you got paintings that have eyes in them. Yeah, painting has eyes in it is a different animal. <laughs> Very Thank you. 
other thing that becomes apparent if you visit the George Sanger YouTube page is that you obviously have multiple interests, which then becomes apparent when you learn about this engineering thing that you did when you were younger, right? You started off as engineering and physics, is that right? Um, So math, like you're on there talking about complex math theorems and... (laughs) Yeah, I I had this this math jag I went on for a while, uh, just uh, about 10 years ago, Yeah. that... I thought that it would be interesting. I had the capacity for it. I'd say I, I, I was I had a very good math teacher in high school. Okay. Because of that, I was really good at math. Nice. Then. And, we, yeah. and, uh, and you know, you go through life and you go, "What well, did I lose my facility? Am I, you know, was that mm-hmm. something I missed?" And sometimes you go back and you taste it a little bit. I, I think I've gotten less interested in going back that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but for, but about ten years ago. Uh, I thought, well, I'm going to take – I read a great book called Fermat's Last Theorem, which was about this very elegant little bit of math that uh, that it took them a long time to prove. It was was a a theory that this ancient mathematician came up with, uh, or or actually he – let me just cut to the chase. (laughs) If you you take AX squared plus BX squared equals C squared – you can you can make that work for I think it, it's a you know if you do oh, now I've even forgotten the most basic three four and five I think five squared is twenty five and three squares is four squared yeah that works mm-hmm. uh, something like that but but uh, there are lots of examples of that using whole numbers okay. um, but it was theorized that you couldn't do that for a cubed plus b cubed equals c cubed mm. and in some book Fermat wrote in the margin I've got the proof. I know that you. I can prove that it that that there are no solutions other than the squared. Yeah. And I thought, you know, if I visualize that, then may then maybe I could learn a little bit of something about math. And you know, I'm not going to solve the world's hardest math problem, which that turned out to be, because it did get solved, but it took like the the story about it is fantastic. Um, but uh, so I thought I'd just tug at the, the the end of the thread that I could get a grip on. And I had some fun with it, and I and I, I came up with I came came up with my own way of generating Pythagorean triples that I'm kind of proud of. Oh, uh, but uh, I, I stopped doing it. It it, it, uh, it exercised a part of my brain that I just really didn't it did, didn't need that much exercise. I found another part of my. Uh, I, I think I, I, there were other modes that I wanted my brain to be in. Sure, that I was happier with. But uh, boy, that was fun. Thanks for asking about that. <laughs> I also, for a minute, and, and my archive at the at UT, uh, it, there's the the George Sanger papers are at the University of Texas in the okay. Briscoe Center for American History, and in the same kind of room, like the other half of the room that's the office for that, is their math archive. Oh, cool. And I thought. Wouldn't it be badass if I could get in both? <laughs> so for a minute there, I was going, oh, yeah, maybe I'll do that. But if you read some of the histories of people who tried to, to, to accomplish something in math, they're not always the prettiest histories. I mean, you think behind the music is grizzled. Is, you know, behind the math? Behind the math is like, oh, it's harsh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what, what are you writing music for these days? Uh, I have a. Uh, uh, I'm writing actually more game music than I have in decades. Nice. Uh, 
so, but, but first, uh, uh, the, what I just played you is uh, an art project that I do called Turtle Money Sandwich. Okay. Um, and this is our second EP. It's kind of, you know, we're just kind of putting the wraps on it, but the first one's on my Bandcamp page. You guys can find it, The Fat Man and Team Fat. But uh, in the game world, and I'm doing other other art art projects, fun projects. But uh, in the game world, I'm working on a thing called uh, With Me, which is basically uh, what's that called? It's like Second Life, but on a phone. Okay. Essentially, yeah. And this has been a really interesting project because it's the first time in all these years, and I'll say decades, that I've had a producer who has sat with me three times a week and said, I'd like you to make it a little more like this. Give me five ideas. I like that one. I don't like that one. Let's make it a little bit more like this. Let's mine this field for this. These are the parameters. I never had that. You know, when it was with Seventh Guest, I was, you know, I was lobbing stuff over the fence and, and hoping they'd like it and didn't hear from them, but it turned out it was good. <laughs> so so that's been fun. And the guy that I'm working with, Bob Welch, he's the bop it guy. No. Oh, yeah. my God. Huh. He's the bop it guy. Wow, that's like a whole era of my life. <laughs> bop Don't it you era. love it? <laughs> It's great to work with, and it's a different experience. And it's it's oh, wow. it's uh, it's got a camaraderie to it. It's uh, I would say it's humbling, except it doesn't feel humbling at all. It feels like you. Know, I feel like I'm providing a service for somebody who knows what they want. Yeah. Oh, did you find the ukulele videos? No. What? No. Where are those? Patrick Greason. Okay. G R E E S O N, and I, I've got a playlist somewhere on my on my page, but I may not have made it public. Okay. Um, Stray Cat Pat and the Back Alley Boys, and uh, he, his goal he's 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 a he's a ukulele player. Okay. He's not the world's best. The guy who teaches him is among the world's best. Okay. Uh, he's he's not particularly a grand singer, but his he wants to have fun, mm-hmm. and he wants to play things on ukulele that you wouldn't think are ukulele songs. And so we have we are on our 12th video. What we do is he oh, comes cool. over with a cajon player and me and we <laughs> we play a tune and then I fix I blow it into Photoshop, you know, and put all the parts where they need to go. Yeah. But but after, you know, we 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 do the lay down the tune in an hour in my in my studio in the garage. Mhm. which is called the woodshed because it's where dad and I used to work on things like that, those bases over there. And uh, then we go out into the onto the back porch, and we shoot video. Shoot a video. The whole yeah. thing takes you know three hours for the whole deal. And and my my stepson edits the video together. Oh, cool! And he posts it, and it's it's just oh, too fun. Bad. So anyway, so I'm doing those, mm-hmm. uh, but and I'm doing with me. Uh, I'm doing a thing called. Uh, for some, I want to say for some jokers in Germany, but <laughs> when I say jokers, I mean comedians. Okay. (laughs) They're really good comedians. And when I say really good comedians, I haven't heard their jokes, but they're really good at producing. And it's in a totally different style from Bob. And this game is called, uh, the company is Comico, and the game is Screenplay. And it's a, you know, video game. It's a card-based video game. Okay. And it's a comedy uh, where you, you take on the persona of this weird exaggerated movie director 
and there's all these genres, and and you represent a genre, so your action films or, or adventure or comedy, mm -hmm. or whatever. So I, I wrote a surf rock intro for it. That's what they wanted. They wanted orchestral surf rock, and that can be found on Steam. Uh, <laughs> that's come out. But the rest of the game hasn't come out. Okay. And then the rest of it is parody movie music. Now, if you wind the clock back to Wing Commander, yeah. That was the first time anybody impersonated John Williams in a game. Oh. Because it did just the technology didn't exist before that. Right. And and we happened to have uh, you know, Dave Govett, who was a great worshiper of John Williams. So, mm -hmm. you know, and, and the client asked for that. So boom, 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 a, a tiny perfect storm. Not the Beatles, but you know, it was a moment. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so now wind the clock forward a little bit, and it's like, and I'm going. Man, why is everybody just doing movie impersonation music? This is really, you know, let's let's have our own life. Let's be our own thing. Let's do this out, you know. Let's do weird music. Let's do our own thing. Come on, let's be creative. Yeah. Just because something is cinematic, just because okay, movie like movie, this game has a movie like score. <laughs> you know, no movie ever came out and said, "Yeah, we have a movie like score." <laughs> yeah. So, so I, I, that was one of the torches I used to carry. I used to hate that. Now I finally come for a cir full circle, and I'm doing the orchestral movie-like stuff, but it's parody, and I'm loving it. Yeah. So this is like I've done three themes so far, um, five minutes long, and they've got three layers each. You know, low okay. low intensity, yeah. mid intensity, high intensity, and they mm -hmm. and they cross fade during during gameplay, and then they can always cut to another genre. So I've done action, I've done adventure. And I've done horror. Okay. <laughs> I got I got too busy with with me, so I brought in Steve Kirk, who is a fabulous composer, and, and he did uh, Voodoo Vince, Thimbleweed Park, okay. uh, Farmville, and okay. he's he's great. He's legit. He plays in a in a band with Ron Jones, who's the the orchestrator for Family Guy and and Star Trek and okay. and, and those things. And uh, and he holds his own, and he and he's a songwriter buddy of mine. You can get this, the Steve Kirk George Singer collaboration also on Bandcamp. Oh, nice! It's called "Look Who's Driving," okay. and so now he's doing the next batch. Um, and he did the surf themed menu music. But you know, yeah. interesting thing when I was I was working with a, a cat in Corsica, on a oh. weird art project. You don't even want to know. Don't I? <laughs> The story of Flocka Seagal. Look it up on YouTube okay. and prepare never to emerge again. Okay. <laughs> and, he, and, and this guy, uh, and, and of all things, he goes, there is a composer who you need to be friends with. You know, this guy, Steve Kirk, are you guys like brothers or something? And he didn't know we'd been working on this album together. <laughs> but just based on Steve's sound. Wow. So Steve's, so Steve's great. Okay. So anyway, uh, let's see. Working on that, and there's some other things that I haven't thought of. You know, there's actually this company that is called uh, uh, Mega Cat, <laughs> and uh, they make these. <gasps> what? And, wow, and I wow. think that and and we're working on a on a deal. It, it just we've got the contract. It's just like this far. For me and Joe to get the band back together, get the old team fat back together, wow. and do some of that retro 
do some of those beeps and boops from before. <laughs> you know, you, we've come a long way from the beeps and boops. Can we go back? I know. <laughs> Sometimes. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Yeah. I, I, I kind of feel like I should play a little bit of the Comico, but I'm going to leave it because I think the contract uh, asked me to be a little bit. Okay. They asked me to be secret, but they've, they've already, the, the theme tune is, yeah. is up on, on Steam and you can find that. Okay. I will. Yeah. So what else? So thank you for asking me for what, what I'm working on. I'm actually well, looking yeah. at my list of things to do. Yeah. And, uh, I think we've we've covered the main thing. I should should plug. Yeah. Did I say Brian Watkins? Yeah. Turtle Money Sandwich. Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> You're very good at naming things. You have funny, consistently names that make you smile. You know. Well, thank you. Good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, Brian, Brian and I worked for about 15 years together at a slot machine company. Oh, yeah, I, I, I was out of house, and he was okay. the mathematician. And they didn't have a design department, and I ran a think tank for game design, and I was always mm-hmm. pushing for game design. So I, I, I would, you know, I talked to Brian about my far out game designs for slot machines, and I said, "You got to have the weird stuff, man. You got to have like a, a a game that's broken, you know, <laughs> so that people feel like, you know, I can beat this machine. It seems like it's broken, you know." <laughs> And, yes. and he, he's like, yeah, yeah. So he took that and went his own way with it. And he and his little think tank came up with Turtle Money Sandwich. It was supposed to be a, it was supposed okay. to be a slot machine. <laughs> and uh, that game company went from like a little strip mall, you know, the, you know those, those, uh, the strip mall, uh, it's, not, it's, not, it's not strip mall, those, those, where you've got a bunch of industrial buildings in a strip. Oh, yeah. It went from yeah. one of those to being a billion-dollar company, an actual literally billion-dollar company. Wow. Um, that was a beautiful thing, and we got to do that together, me and Brian. And when that went away, you know, we kind of were looking at each other, and and he had me do some music for, you know, for uh, he had me like splice a bunch of Grateful Dead tunes together for him. And then we're like talking, and he's like, "I've got these songs." Yeah, I know your songs. He wrote a love song for a freeway interchange. But <laughs> it was the sweetest damn thing. Oh God! And, uh, he said, "Well, maybe you could work on one of my songs." So we, that's been a. That's been a love project. It's been so. It's so nice to get to spend time writing lyrics. Whatever the topic is, you can turn it to something higher. And I'm not saying Brian's lyrics are always just high enough. And so, just getting to wallow in those lyrics and mm-hmm. and just put put notes around them and frame them up and have as much time as I need to build the to build a frame for the for his painting. He sends me lyrics and a guitar thing and I do everything else and he sings it. Every time before this made love seem so hard one starts to think twice to let down their guard then you And I want to get one more one more story for for Adam Gubman. Yeah. Is that there? I, I did a, the the most recent one I did for him. It's for a character named Helliger, who's in a world called I can't remember what it's called, but if you look up Helliger, you'll find it. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a very popular game series, uh, also card based. And 
these these characters when you're playing the game they're just little cards you know they're little chess pieces they're little chibis you know and they fight and, and they do their mm -hmm. thing but they've got all this backstory and the company is smart enough that they are doing music videos and the music video consists of an animated you know gif of like the person standing there with his book and his pipe or his scarf his dog and the wind is blowing you know or something like that and then you hear the song with the lyrics up there well mm -hmm. this race this, this this character that i did is, a, is the oldest fighter he's tired of fighting but he's really good at it and his race is sort of based on russian and so i got to write the lyrics just the lyrics for this character and about how he's He's tired of war. And I got to write a, a, an anti-war theme mm -hmm. that's for a fighter, but I, I got to put that twist on it. You know, it's yeah. like, well, sometimes you do what you got to do. And I scoured the internet for, for Russian slogans about war and the pain of it. And there's a lot of, you know, they, they know hurt. Yeah. You know, I mean, we all do. And they've got, they've got great Russian ways of saying it. <laughs> um, Indeed. And this was before the invasion, yeah. And so the timing of it was beautiful. There's the, mm -hmm. the and but the fun thing is, what is it when you write lyrics and they're going to be translated into Russian? What are you doing? Are you writing lyrics? But I wrote the lyrics. They got translated into Russian, and then at the video, Adam wrote the music and had beautiful singing on it, beautiful playing, mm -hmm. just top notch stuff. Mm -hmm. And then it has a translation from the Russian of what the lyrics mean. Oh, okay. So, so it's like it's like drawing your best drawing and then putting it on a Xerox machine and then Xeroxing that and doing that. You know, it's yeah, like a yeah. total distorto. Well, you know, it's like audio. It's like it's like lo-fi. How different was it? I think it missed one tiny point. Okay. And then the rest of it really had that nice blurring effect. Okay. Where it's like it's a little more open mm -hmm. than what I wrote. It's a little less specific. And so you can go, you know, what did this old man mean when he said that? <laughs> yeah. Ah, yeah, you know, you got to kind of nod your head. Yeah. Uh, so I was real pleased with that. Hey, was guitar your first instrument? What was your first instrument? <laughs> you and me, baby. Really? You and me. Yeah, trumpet. No kidding. You didn't play anything before you played trumpet. That's right. Wow. And the Mr. Demon, Bob Demon, drafted me from middle school because they had a small band. They had a 36 piece band. Okay. And they were marching in competitions against 200 piece bands. Oh, geez. Yeah. So they were getting ready to do that. And they, mm -hmm. they needed more people. So they drafted me out of the middle school. So I had six <laughs> years of, of band with this charismatic surf guitar player who used to open for the, the Beach Boys would open for them. Oh, wow. Dude, today I just looked at their Wikipedia page. This is the astronauts. Is that what they're the called? Astronauts. Yeah, uh -huh. The astronauts. Yeah, the astronauts. Yeah. I just was looking at their Wikipedia page because I, I, because I was watching the uh, movie about the uh, the wrecking crew. Okay. And, and who I also really admire, and and uh, I noticed that at the bottom it says you know, Bob Demon 
went on to teach high school at Coronado, George Sanger was one of his students. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> That's cool. That's very cool. That's, that's the second deep. person to know that. Yeah. After me. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, top it. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Um, and, then, and, and, and then I got braces, so I had to move to baritone. That's an old story. Okay. Yeah. And then, But Bob let me play. Uh, he taught me guitar on the guitars that he used in the astronauts. And these are these, these are these blonde contour, you know, yeah. these guys. Yeah, show me right. that telly. And, and they, oh well, that was oh, that's that not was telly me. Yeah. You know they they had certain jazz masters and and uh, uh, jaguars and uh, jazz basses all matching with the matching amps. They were sponsored by Fender, and I and and if you look at their album, look at their album covers, you'll see. You know, any kid would be like. And 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 I learned, you know, these cool guys have been on Shindig and Hullabaloo, and I'd hung out with Glenn Campbell and and kicked out of the studio by, you know, hey, the Rolling Stones, you know, hey, we're recording in Studio B, you guys are in Studio A, can we hang out a little bit? And Mick turns around and goes, "Ew, are you, you know, <laughs> he's been kicked out by some classy cats, you know, <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, yeah, so that that yeah, so I picked yeah. up guitar and bass from 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 him directly and wow. uh, that was great mm -hmm. so that's that's one of the reasons that team fat used to do surf instrumental sets big influence there the surf yeah surf yeah. rock mm -hmm. <laughs> amazing yep so and every once in a while i'll get out the old trumpet and put on a couple of lines because you know if you learn if there's nothing else you learn from the 60s it's that a little bit of bad trumpet is a lot better than no trumpet <laughs> Please, I'm in, I'm literally getting that tattooed tomorrow. It's <laughs> the best thing ever. <laughs> it's all yours, and you might want a fat seal on there too. Yeah, I, I should. <laughs> Get your signature underneath it or something. Oh my oh, god, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah. yeah, I don't. I don't. It's been almost a year since I played my trumpet, which is crazy. Um, now, are you a person who has to like really like build it up like a like an athlete? Yeah, I, me, I can't pick it up and play for more than probably ten minutes without needing a break. Bob could pick that dog up. He'd like he'd walk over to you, and he'd say, "Hey, you know, let me see that thing." If you're playing you know, a little weak, he'd yeah. pick it up and go. You know, no warm up. You take it up an octave. And you go. Nothing wrong with the horn. <laughs> oh man. I'd he smack looked him. like he looked like James Dean. He wore oh. these cowboy sh cowboy shirts with like way too many buttons that yeah. his go-go dancer looking wife made for him. <laughs> that guy. Amazing. That guy. All charisma. Yeah. And but but man, could he play the trumpet? Wow. Yeah. They did a version of they did a version of uh Miserloo where the bridge was was him on trumpet and it sounded oh. like like, yeah, Herb Alpert, you think you can play? <laughs> Listen to this. <laughs> Great I stuff. got to interview Herb Alpert not that long yeah. ago, actually. Um, How's he doing? A couple years ago. I mean, he was great. I'm sure he wouldn't remember me because we weren't even on video. But, um, but yeah, because he released an album with one of his kids like four years ago, maybe. Cool. Yeah. Was he playing was, trumpet? Yeah. Yes, yes, he was. Yes, sounded better than I do playing trumpet right now. He's like yeah. ninety, I think, or something. Maybe more than that now. It's 
crazy. Anyway, I saw yeah. that, that story yesterday. Um, uh, yesterday I was catching up on uh, on the Wrecking Crew movie. When when he did Tijuana Brass, he couldn't afford. He paid everybody like fifteen bucks, and then when the record came out and did and did well, mm-hmm. he talked to the record company. He talked to the union. He paid his fine, and he got them all scale. Wow. He went back and did the right thing. Yeah. So, Good for him. What else do you, you do? You just play trumpet? Um, yeah, I mean, I started on piano, but I was always pretty terrible at it because I liked trumpet so much more. So I didn't ever cool. really develop my bass clef chops. You know, I was always way faster at reading treble. I still am, obviously, faster at reading yeah. treble clef than bass clef. And I took piano for many, many, many years. Um, and then just I've got other things laying around like a clarinet and a banjo and a guitar and um, just some cool. other stuff that I mess around with a little bit. Yeah. But nothing no one pays me for. So it's, it's nothing like that anymore. <laughs> it used to be that got way, it. but not anymore. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> but well, uh, yeah, I mean, I should probably, it's been, this is, we've talked for ages and I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, yeah, it's been great. I feel like I could I could keep going, but I know it's getting late. And, we'll do we'll so. do another one sometime. And I hope if so. You, if you're feeling it, yeah, I I would love that. I'm still that. around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. That'd be great. This this yeah. been a good one. Yeah, that's been you. super fun, George. I've really appreciated to finally get a chance to talk to you, and it's been it's been a blast. I knew it would be so. <laughs> you know, I've I've zoomed in and looked at a, a few of your videos. I saw you you know working with Matts. And, uh, oh, yeah. You know, wow, you're just, you're just so uh, knowledgeable about these things. You do such a oh, good job. You. I appreciate you know, that. It, it's, uh, it's, it's really quite a collection you put together, too. Mm. And, and all the, I mean, who haven't you talked to? Uh, I mean, pretty much anyone on the other side of the world, you know, certainly no one Japanese ever, no, no one from that world. But pretty much everybody else I've tried you know, and oh, there's yeah. some people I still can't even get to answer back, but that's just some people just don't want to do interviews, so it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. It's been fun. It's been a really fun thing. And I just, um, I mean, I've been interviewing people for radio for ages, and I, I enjoy doing it. It's fun to give someone a question and pull the string and let them go. I like it. <laughs> you did great. You did great. Thank I you. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Level with Emily. You can learn more about George Sanger, see a playlist, and support Level with Emily at patreon.com slash level. Check out the video of our chat with George Sanger on the Level with Emily YouTube channel. Do subscribe so you don't miss any videos in the future. I'm Emily Reese. Sam Keenan is our producer. Say hi, Sam. Hello. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Level with Emily and learn more about us at levelwithemily.com, made possible by Adam Selvage at Tiki Web Services. Composer Brad Gentle manages our YouTube channel. Level with Emily Reese is a production of June Media Inc. 
Here at Level with Emily, we're part of the Audio Podcast Alliance. It features a hand-picked selection of the very best podcasts about sound. You can hear the latest episodes from our friends in the community at audiopodcast.org.